podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Daynerin, Dave Ninimitz, it's Daynerin, Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Alan, Paul, you're here, Dave Minimitz of The Athletic with you on Tuesday. It's, it's delightful. I feel like we're already into the grind of the season. Everyone's demoralized. <laughs> you know, every, everyone's already like just screaming and fire this person. And it's good. It's good to be back. It's, it's I, all the way back. Yeah, it's time to tank for Caleb Williams. It's time to just lose the rest of the season. Then Joe Burrow becomes your backup. You solve the backup quarterback problem. <laughs> I think it's the perfect. So you're on a rookie contract with Caleb. It, yeah. Yeah. That's what we got to do. Yeah. I mean, the combination of Caleb Williams and Joe Burrow will be, you know, palatable. You know, yeah. you can handle it. You can handle <laughs> exactly. it. Uh, so, uh, we actually will get into that aspect of things because the Joe Burrow contract details Uh, are out now they are interesting they are unique they are certainly groundbreaking for the cincinnati Bengals. i was not going to try to uh speak super intelligently on it i can do my best but i'm better when i'm just kind of parroting what the smart people say anyway isn't that all of us (laughs) isn't all of us Amen. Uh, so that's why i brought brad spielberger on over the cap and pff to talk us through the dynamics of the borough contract what it really means um, and particularly in terms of structure going forward for T Higgins, for Jamar Chase, the very interesting receiver market uh, and a lot of stuff there. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that later on in the show. But everybody's got some complaining and some some airing of grievances to get off their chest about the actual 2023 football team first. Uh, but we we will get to that. Uh, T Higgins, uh, Diana Rossini for us. Uh, basically confirming what has we uh, kind of assumed, but it's official now that the Higgins discussions kicked forward to 2024. There's not going to be any in-season negotiations, something the Bengals have never really done. Um, and so next there will be the franchise tag uh, discussion situation, which will be probably around $22 million for one year of T Higgins that they will be the, that'll be the next inflection point the next thing that will track towards with what happens with T if the Bengals tag him he obviously won't enter free agency if they decide not to tag him which would be very surprising he would enter a crowded free agent market but we'll get into all that stuff with Brad uh, a little later mo will join us of course it is mo tuesday uh so we'll i i'm going to save the preseason uh preparedness conversation for there it is a a good one it's and zach taylor essentially said one that you know he'll he'll address in the offseason right now they're just trying to dig out of where they're at but um so we'll we'll i'll save that there i think there's an interesting one to be had uh about where you sit with these now consistent week one slow starts all that stuff and, uh, and just just I, I don't want to get ahead of it, but just as part of that discussion, if it makes people feel any better, uh, our Jeff's Rebiak had pointed out that the Ravens were kind of guilty of the same thing and and had some flatness issues. They were lucky enough to be playing the the Texans and a rookie quarterback. But uh, it's it's not just here and the team they're ready to play will be uh, dealing in the same situation. Yeah. And dealing with a lot of. Other things, uh, when we get into the news here, 
Uh, Baltimore very much dealing with injuries. You mentioned it, Dave, on the pod, the walkout the other night, but um, they're going to come in here pretty battered for week two. I mean, they're going to yeah. no Tyler Linderbaum, it looks like, no Ronnie Stanley, it looks like, no Marcus Williams or safety, no J.K. Dobbins, uh, who looks like he's, you know, it's, 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 man, they got beat up. Uh, Mark Anderson, Marlon Humphrey already uh, missed, you know, week one. So the chance they might not be back. I mean, there's just, that's a lot of names I just ripped off for one yeah, week. It really is. It really uh, it's, is. Although it seems like every time the Ravens come here, they're beat up. That seems to be pretty consistent with them. We're talking about a beat up Ravens team coming to Cincinnati. Uh, it's, even in week two, they can't avoid that. Yeah. Well, they're they're a great next man up team. I mean, it's not like J.K. Dobbins makes it through a season anyhow. And then you see Gus Edwards and Justice Hill just jump in and do their thing. And then they'll probably get hurt and guys will just keep getting wheeled out. But yeah, that was quite a list that kept popping up on Sunday. You know, like you'd see on Twitter every few minutes. Oh, now Ronnie Stanley's out. Well, Marcus Williams is out. So it's a lot. As always, you know, injuries very much going to be the story of the first couple weeks. It's where you see so many of the soft tissue injuries, which you have heard us talk about (laughs) ad nauseum, how that works, (laughs) Uh, lower extremity injuries. The Bengals obviously still dealing with theirs in some capacities, but for the most part, came out pretty injury free. I mean, Zach Taylor said they're in a great spot, even though it's Joseph Osai trending in the right direction to maybe being able to go this weekend, calling him kind of truly day to day right now. Uh, so they're in a good spot injury wise. Baltimore is not. Um, many teams are very much not, including contender Aaron. Rodgers and the Jets look Aaron Man. going down with the kid. That it's it's just I walked downstairs after putting the girls to bed last night, having, you know, not just been like checking in, like, okay, what's going on in this game? And my wife pointing out, Oh, yeah, so Aaron Rodgers went off on a cart. And I and like I honestly not that I would be like, Oh yeah, she would like make that kind of a joke, but it was like that has to be a joke. Yeah. There's just no way that the this would happen to the Jets yeah. immediately, but yet there it is. And so the Jets now rely on Zach Wilson or whoever they trade for going forward. And man, that shifts the dynamic of the crowd of the AFC. This is why when we talk about early in the year, um, when you know, there's so many contenders, man. Things change so freaking quick yeah. in this league. Everything that teams come out, they look like crap. Look at the Bengals, you know, look at Bengals, Kansas City, Bills all lose all look bad in their own way right i mean a a bunch of the teams that you think are going to be good pittsburgh looks bad against san francisco also the afc's weak and the nfc's strong right (laughs) like it it just it it happens really quick um but it's it's a big shift of power when you when when things start moving and the Bengals are not alone and feeling like crap today uh amongst a lot of the contenders yeah, and you you also get a shift with a team like Cleveland. They they showed us, okay, they still have some issues, but man, with that defense. And you wrote about it today, the way they used Miles Garrett, um, and we'll get Fun. into that a little bit more. It's it could be kind of a crazy defense they have <laughs> if it's just beating people down. So yeah, the shift was pretty quick to now we're not so positive that it's, you know, the big dogs, but it's also one week. Yes. And, you know, long ways to go. But no, I want us to overreact, Dave. <laughs> well, I, I, it's 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 time to the, go all the way in. Drop them back. They're out. They're out. <laughs> They're out. Uh, 
I, I, I do. I mean, let's to talk a little bit about the thing I want to get into here. Um, as we we've kind of touched on, there's not a ton of like specific news. Um, I, I do. I have a story up on looking at sort of third and manageable situations. Um, I thought they were a really good microcosm of the Bengals' bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. Um, when we try to find perspective and and understanding what the hell just happened, like what did we watch? Um, and and that's why it stood out for me for as sort of something specific to attack. Because here's here's the 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 the, the crux of it is where the Bengals sucked on Sunday were things that they have consistently over the course of a year or two been great at. Yeah. Um, And I think there is solace in that for the team, for the players, for the coaching staff, as they assess what happened here, as this makes no sense to think that all of a sudden something, you know, like third and short, which I have, you know, third and made of five or less. They were second best in the NFL at last year at 62% is going to live at the far deep into the bottom of the barrel, 14%, one for seven on manageable third downs. I mean, that's how they made their living. I mean, Joe Burrow was just an assassin on third and short throwing the ball, and they were consistent in in running it for first downs and things like that. And, and then they were great at hitting on shots when teams kind of push up uh, against them, they were great at th- how many jump balls have you seen T. Higgins win in spots, and then you get it when you get them matched up in the right matchups, you love it. All of that missed. All of that was bad, and there's not a lot of precedence to suggest that those things are just going to be bad this year. And I think that's kind of what the Bengals today, you know, as we talked about Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor yesterday are hanging their hats on like, this isn't going to change us. I'm not going to stop throwing the ball to T Higgins one-on-one against a safety down the field. We're not going to stop, you know, letting Joe Burrow get, you know, convert third and short situations for us. You're not going to think that's all of a sudden not going to work. It's not going to change the way their process is. They feel like they found themselves in a lot of good spots. It just, for a number of different reasons, didn't happen for him and I would say snowballed but it was like puddled up on him you know yeah yeah and I I think Zach Taylor sounded crazy when after the game he's like I saw some good things out there and yeah it it sounds ludicrous and it really he probably just should have kept that to himself and maybe talked to his coaches about it but I think you you take a positive away from that that they're not pushing the panic button it would, you know, I think as a fan, you want to react and push the panic button. But they're basically saying, generally, things were going the way they're supposed to. We just didn't execute it. And that's where, you know, we get back into the weather. We get back into Burroughs' health. We get back into the Browns being a, a matchup problem for them. Um, I think that's a good thing that you you keep the ship steady on what you know will work because it's worked in the past. So, but it is a little jarring when you hear the coach try to try to make it sound like sunshine and rainbows and you just watched one of the worst offensive performances you've seen. Yeah. And I don't think that there was a sunshine and rainbows feel necessarily. It was just the perspective of, look, this is stuff that we're going to be good at. We we lost doing stuff, missing stuff that 
we have been good at for a long time. Um, and there are reasons to see the extenuating circumstances here. You know, Zach Taylor called it the, the worst rain game he's been a part of in 10 years. And you saw Burrow glove on, glove off, keeping it on him. How do I throw the ball straight? And 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 when you think about the fact, let's 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 be clear here. Joe Burrow's not right yet. Okay. The yeah. cap's still a thing. We 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 talked about it in the walkout. Um there's no straight answers of there's calf is an issue. It it was we're still managing it last week, and it was it, it's good enough after the game. There was no it's calf calf even think about it right no that's not what's being said so there's limitations there obviously um you throw in the rain that was unexpected so you haven't game planned for it you haven't you know it kind of came out of nowhere all of a sudden this is going to be some big rain game much like much less one like that and all of a sudden early on you realize well quick game's gone to crap because you can't catch it and throw it fast as easy and then the receiver can't catch it as easy in those quick game spots. And that's harder. That's more your game. I mean, the Browns and the Bengals, as far as how teams are built, the Browns are built to be mutters, right? Yeah. They're, they're built. They got Nick Chubb. They've got Bill Callahan's power bunch up front. You know, the Bengals are, are not going to, that's not how they're going to win or how they have won. And so Cleveland in the rain and a quarterback with some limitations um, was really an uphill slide. I mean, that was really stacking a lot of things that the Bengals do well um, against them. Should they have been better? Abso-freaking-lutely. Did they look unprepared? Abso-freaking-lutely. Should rain do that to them? No. No. When you walk, if, if you walk into a game and you're like, oh, it's raining, rude, <laughs> can't handle it, like can't deal with the rain, it can't be like that, okay? And that is on the staff to figure it out, on the team, the players, to be better in those situations. But, you know, I I think when you talk about some of the biggest spots in this game, they had a clean pocket for Joe Burrow throwing the ball up to T. Higgins against Grant Delpit in in plus territory. Like, you you take that every play if you could get it. I mean, that is the Bengals in a nutshell. Is mm-hmm. that teams can't let this happen? They went into this ten personnel wrinkle seven plays, and because they thought it could get them some matchups like that, and it did. They created matchups. They did it in the passing game, and it didn't hit. And multiple times they threw the ball down the field, and it didn't hit. You know, Joe Mixon last year, third in the league converting third and short into first downs, and gets stuffed. Jonah Williams gets blown back, uh, which is not great. Um, and that's that's one that you say tick that one for later. Are we is that's going to be an issue off this edge? Um, and and you have some issues in that regard. Um, but these are a lot of these things are things that you feel like you you create to do, to be really good at, and they just you know they they just they just weren't. Um, but I don't think that's something that feels sustainable issues in terms of it's that it's going to be against them every week. Burrow's going to continue to heal up and have more confidence next week. And you, I, I, I refuse to believe that T Higgins is going to go. Oh, for 142 this year. But if he does, that would be remarkable. Definitely a record. If yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, 
I think the only thing is is what I said the other day and the walkout is it does come down to coaching to some degree, though, that you've got if you're realizing those things aren't working, maybe it's because they kept seeing it that they thought it's going to work this time. But maybe you needed to convert to be mutters yourselves at some point. And it started to look that way at the start of the second half. They were they just kind of put their heads down and ran a few and it, it looked good. But every time they went back to the passing game, it was just the same old, same old. It's If it's the exception to the rule, then not a lot to sweat about. If it turns out to be a trend when it's dry and it's not Cleveland and Joe Burrow's feeling better, then you worry about it. But it, it seems like right now you can almost write this one off as the exception. Yeah, and and another beatdown by the by the Browns, which we've kind of documented. Uh, that just it's just sort of something that happens now, uh, apparently. Um, which only which only suggests the Bengals are gonna like finish sixth and have to go to Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs or something, <laughs> right? The NFL just you the almost like it yeah. wants it wants it to to turn out that way. Um, a few other nuggets I want to touch on before. Um, we we bring Mo in here is, you know, a couple of ups and some downs, um, you know, some praise for Joe Mixon in the I, I did think Joe Mixon looked pretty good, and then some of the advanced stats. Uh, there's there's like there's too many stats, Dave. Like a lot of stats. There's just everybody has some some stat that they're gonna throw at you to tell you why something was good or bad. And I'm going to throw you something to say that it was good. You know, Joe Mixon, his rushing yards over expectation was fourth in the league yesterday. That was a stat he was the bottom of last year. He had he forced three missed tackles. Um, his rushing yards over expectation percentage was number one in the league, uh, which is how, what percentage of his runs did he get more than he should have than was available? Um, that's a good number. Um, these are numbers I can throw. Somebody else will throw out you some bad success percentage. Um, that's all fine, and we've certainly done that a bunch. I'm going eye test and listening to the coaches that know him. Uh, he looked he he looked vibrant, uh, and he brought something. You yeah. know, I think he brought some real juice yesterday. His cuts looked good. He looked like he was moving really well. He looked like a real early down back for you. Um, I thought for a good amount of times, and that was maybe encouraging. If we're looking, it was not the story of yesterday um, or of Sunday at all, but I do think that's kind of an encouraging thing for the state of what they can get out of the running game. Even if you find negative stats on him, he's way down the list of problems they had on Sunday. So yeah. I, yeah, I thought he looked like he had some good burst. He, he did break some tackles. And like I said, when they kind of started – devoting themselves to the run a little bit he had some nice runs but uh I, I don't know that he was utilized quite as much as he probably should have been yeah yeah i mean that's the thing is do you go to the run game more i think that you certainly can say that uh that that should have been something that maybe they could have leaned on more but it also is like man is it going to continue to be this bad like how, it's, it's yeah. it, and and are you just gonna bang your head against a brick wall if if you're that team maybe they maybe they should have maybe it was worth doing that um i i'll say this i mean the the defense as a whole i think is in an okay spot um i i didn't 
I wasn't particularly concerned by my, I mean, there was some, there was more missed tackles than they like. Uh, but I think that's week one stuff. Partially. You're just going to see that everywhere. Um, but you know, they did, they, they were making play. I, I think you're okay with where that's at. They got some pass rush. Um, that's your main Pratt had a really nice game. Yeah. No question. Look good. Um, yeah, I, they even had their bend but don't break moments early on that they're kind of known for. They, you know, I think they were kind of keeping the team in the game for a while, but eventually, if you're getting no offense, yeah. I mean, the fact that when I was going through those, when you really start looking at each of those situations of those third and shorts, the game is within a score on like all of them. I mean, right. they're in it. You're in it right there, despite how bad things were going. If you just could have cracked one of those you feel like it would have been completely different or which takes you to the downside of it. And we talked, we talked, talked to Brad Robbins for a while yesterday who had, you know, in the preseason, we talked about how those defensive guys were when they played the one series were like, Jesus, does it have to be like this in the first game? Golly. Uh, it wasn't supposed to come out here and play 15 snaps. Well, Brad Robbins, you're thinking like, man, do I got to go out in the rain and kick 10 times? Uh, but yeah, that was that was his debut, and it didn't go well. He owned up to it. You know, he wasn't trying to dodge any of it. He's like, you know, this isn't about weather. I kicked at Michigan. I wanted – this is the division I wanted to be in. I'm in the AFC North. This is who I need to be and admitted, you know, the big one that when they opted to try to play field position because they felt like field position was just killing them, um, and they punted from the 38. Yeah. You, you can't have a t- – he, he mishit that in terms of accuracy. If you watch, it was supposed to go to the right side, and it ended up on the left hash. So yeah. Tyson Anderson's down there. He wins free and clear as the gunner turns around to look for the ball. And he can't find it because it's the other direction. And it's like, and so it bounces at the three and goes into the end zone. Well, it's because no one's there to get it. You, 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 you've got to kick that accurately. You can't miss that bad. Um, Especially if you're supposed to be, you know, the short game punter, right? That was Mm kind of how Brad Robbins was sold over Drew Chrisman was he's, we got a short game guy now, right? You play a field position, get the ball high. And, and that did work at times. I mean, they didn't get a ton of return yards. They took a lot of the return game out, but situations like that, you're really counted on to make plays and he didn't. Um, So that's, that's uh, again, that's something you, you put in the back of the head going forward of, okay, you can, you can tolerate some, we can make excuses, uh, but you know, those add up after a while. It can't continue. It's you can't miss, you can't miss those when you got gunners standing down there, that get free and clear and you don't kick the ball near where you're supposed to. Right. Yeah. That at that point, you might as well just go for it. If you, if you knew that was going to be the outcome, you probably don't want to kick from there, but yeah, you might as well just go for it. If you're just going to get 18 yards out of it. So, yeah. Well, consider, I mean, consider this, consider these, those two situations where you had balls thrown down the field to T Higgins in very winnable situations when you were in plus territory that end up incomplete, followed by special teams miscues, um, with the missed field goal by Evan McPherson and the, then the punt that you can't get down. This is how the Bengals have won games. Mm Mm-hmm. Hitting those throws down the field, 
winning with special teams, doing those little things, combining those two to kind of really be efficient. And that's where they lost this game was these things that they've been so good at. I mean, and so that's, that's, again, it kind of goes back to the original discussion of you're, you're doing, these are things that you have always been pretty good at. And now Robbins is new. So that's a, that's a new piece to this, but I, you know, I don't, it's a, it's a whole other, it's a whole other conversation. If you're like, God, this again, which maybe you're saying that with the offensive line, which at, which at times was not looking so new and good. Yeah. And I think that's, again, not to get ahead of the discussion you're going to have later with Mo about it, but that's another part where I'm kind of wondering if preseason helps. I mean, that's a unit that's got to play together. You, you've got Orlando Brown and you need to figure out what you've got in him. And you're just kind of throwing him out there to start the season against a great pass rush. Um, I think everybody was fairly optimistic where the offensive line was coming in, but there's some concern now, you know, where, where does it stand? So yeah, I, I think that's, that now becomes a little bit of a a question mark, I think, for the team. Yeah, and you'd like it to be better. Um, I I think I, I it's like all things though. I I tend to want to put a two to four game tranche up, mm-hmm. and 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 try to judge it because of all the the different circumstances. But that said, yeah, I mean, you know. When the first play of the game is just Burrow getting blown up, and you're just like, "Oh, is this? Is this we're doing this again?" Yeah. You know, I mean, is this is this what it is? I, they settled down a bit, um, but yeah, it's it, it's again, it's the same with a lot of these conversations of these issues. Is all right, we're 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 filing that one away, and we'll see if there's another uh, more if that file builds. Uh, and we need to start talking about addressing it more directly, or if it's one that just kind of disappears with uh, a couple of, you know, uh, counterbalance performances. So we'll see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of playing in the preseason, let's bring in uh, a guy who who, who always plays. No load management. Wait. (laughs) Occasionally some load management for our guy, Mo, at ESPN 1530. What's up? What's going on? I'm the king of load management. And that's and you know what? I think we've we've all come over to that side. I think the NBA, mm-hmm. we're all just following in the NBA's footsteps and re- realizing that load management's the way to go, man. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Especially in June and July. Yes. But it's not June or July. Oh. And and and, and I want to talk a little bit about this this conversation piece of is this team prepared to play seasons that we have a lot and that now is back um, for an obvious reason of a team that, you know, didn't look ready uh, week one to, to go out there and play at certainly the same level of a team that looked very desperate and ready to do so. What did, did Sunday 
alter your opinion, reinforce your opinion, or or make or or make you feel like Zach Taylor and this staff have erred in having a team properly prepared to play week one? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, up until Sunday, I've I've given the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt because I feel like they've earned it because that's what comes with winning. Um, you know, and I, I said yesterday, there's everybody talks about how the first Monday after the first Sunday, the NFL season is overreaction Monday. Well, reacting is not overreacting. The reaction to that performance, if it was anything but this team looks unprepared, I don't know what you were watching. And is that all on Joe Burrow? No, uh, you you wrote in uh, in your game recap with with Zach about how the issues weren't limited to Joe looking rusty. Um, there were penalties, uh, there were missed blocking assignments, there was an overall sloppiness, and so I think you are being completely reasonable if you look at that game combined with some of the other issues this coaching staff has had in season openers and go okay. For the purposes of winning week one, is there a better way? And my thing is, like, I'm on board with protecting health. I'm the guy that doesn't want to play anybody in the preseason. I It was their greatest asset the last couple of years, health. I'm all for protecting that. But a successful head coach and uh, a continuous staff and a core being intact you ought to be able to use those things to blend maintaining health and looking ready week one. Um, do I expect really any team in this day and age to look crisp in the first game? No, some teams obviously did, but there's there's a lot of room between crisp and and dysfunctional. I just want the team to look functional week one, and had they, there's a decent chance they would have won the football game. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think... You know, maybe this is a a conversation for next July and August. Okay, what do you do to ensure that you don't look like that uh, in the first game of the season? I don't think you have to change your outlook for the year as a whole. If you think the Bengals, if you woke up on Sunday morning thinking the Bengals are going to go 11 and six, I still feel like you should feel that way. If you woke up on Sunday morning thinking this is the first game on the way to a Super Bowl championship, uh, I wouldn't allow one loss, one bad performance to, to change your thinking. But the thinking about the first game, what can be done to protect the health, but also look ready to go. And, you know, the, the thing for me that's so sobering is these guys have done this before. It's the same core group of players. It's the same coaching staff. It's the same quarterback. It's, it's largely the same offensive and defensive systems. How could they look that way? How could It's not that they lost the game. The game always felt like a coin flip. How could they look that way with all the continuity, all the stability, all the sameness, and all the health that this team uh, has enjoyed uh, for so long? And not only that, I, I totally agree with that. But here, here's here's my thing. How different the last two years, they have been bad because Joe Burrow has been bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, his two worst games probably of his entire career were the opener last year uh, with the five turn giveaways and, and this year with 82 yards. I mean, I don't even know what to say. But, I mean, those are his two worst games. And he's coming off the appendectomy. He's coming off the calf. And, and I mean, still on the calf, really still um, right now. 
isn't this a conversation of look if you don't have Joe Burrow during camp and preseason um this is your team is going to look sloppy and not put together and have issues I, I i think it's i lean more that that is what's happened than the team is as a whole unprepared um or or not all the way ready to go I, I, and i think there's no arguing obviously with what they have been at the end of the season is it about winning week 1 or is it about what they're playing like the last couple of decembers I would lean to that and just say, man, you just got to kind of throw your hands up a few times and say, sure would be nice if Joe Burrow didn't undergo something ridiculous <laughs> uh, for a month right before we start playing and it, where it takes time to get him up to speed. I think it's more that. And I do believe that the offense would have played this preseason mm-hmm. if Burrow was healthy. I, I believe that. And I think that would have maybe changed. So do I think things will be different next year? I think Bengals fans should certainly hope so, because I think they <laughs> will be different as long as Joe Burrow is healthy, because I do think they would like to to get him to get him out there. And, the you know, the Bengals aren't the only team going through. That. There's a lot. I mean, around the league, you know, there's been a lot of people talking about um, coaches and, and some of the people on our staff with other teams about this. And you saw it. Uh, Nick Sirianni talking about, look, I'm I'm going to reevaluate preseason next year, and yeah, they just they didn't feel like they were good. The Giants, uh, as well, a lot of these teams saw that that in particular that didn't play anybody were were sloppy week one, and I think you might maybe you'll see the pendulum start to shift back the other way. I just my opinion on it is, let me see one where Joe Burrow is actually yeah. a part of your preseason in camp before I say that you're doing it wrong, because I think I have a problem with saying to change anything that they've been doing over the last two years. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know that every situation is apples to apples to apples. Nick Sirianni has two different coordinators from last year. Yes. So, you know, maybe that puts a premium on having the guys on the field in games. Uh, Sure. If, you know, we spent months talking about Joe's having his first normal offseason and his first normal training camp. Well, is that something you just say or, or is it something you believe? I believe it. Certainly there would, would be immense benefits to Joe practicing and being on the field with his teammates. But like, all right. He threw to T Higgins eight times and couldn't complete a pass. He, he needs to play in the preseason to complete a pass to T Higgins. Yeah. The guy that he's been playing with since since day one of his NFL career. Um, you, you need Joe Burrow to, to pick up edge rushers. You, you need Joe Burrow on the field to know that Miles Garrett might line up uh, uh, over the center. Uh, the issues, sure. I mean, every everything that happens with this franchise, good or bad, revolves around number nine. That's well established. If that wasn't the case, uh, you guys wouldn't have been asking him questions about his, his contract the other day. So I get that, but the overall performance of the team, I think the two things to me that stood out, number one, when you, when you look at Joe, it, it just, he looked like Paul Justin playing in 1998. <laughs> you know, for, for those who don't, who weren't around for the nineties, that's what it looked like. That's what I, it looked like. I never thought that I would, I would compare a Joe Burrow quarterback team to, to what we watched um, in the nineties last year in the opener, you know, he just made some bad decisions and threw some bad passes. 
what I saw on Sunday was a little bit more sobering because it's like, man, this guy doesn't look comfortable doing anything. He just looks awful throwing the ball. I mean, hell, even in that game against Pittsburgh, he did some good things. Uh, sort of washed out by all the the picks and all the crazy stuff that happened. He didn't do anything well on Sunday. So I think you're being somewhat reasonable if you wonder, okay, well, are we going to see a complete 180 from that this coming Sunday in a game that's likely to be tight against a good uh, Baltimore team? But but also there's, there's the overall performance of the, the team itself, especially on offense. And I, I, again, like, I I feel like this coaching staff is is good enough and experienced enough that going in, even if you assumed this is going to be a little clunky because Joe has missed some time, it can still be functional enough to give the team a chance to win. And that was not the case. And the, the issues were not limited to the offense by any stretch of the imagination, but I I was disappointed because I thought this staff was good enough to still have the, the the team as a whole ready to play in spite of whatever the quarterback is not doing. Now, the quarterback playing very, very poorly washed away a lot of things, but I I was really disappointed by just the overall look of the team. And, and again, for me, that's in a vacuum. Uh, I expect by the time we're in late October, this team is is clicking on all cylinders and, and you know, we're talking about a team that's got a shot to win it. But, oh, boy, what we watched on Sunday was was not a good reflection of that staff. No, it wasn't. Um, you'll hear about the rain. OK, and we're going to I sort of said in the early, early on, it can't be where if you're walking to pay stadium, it's raining. You're like, well, might as well just turn around. Yes, yeah. this game's over. Right. That that said, uh, now hold uh, on, now hold on. Yeah, now hold on before you get exasperated. Oh, come back on, in your chair. Okay, yeah. I do think there is some validity to the fact that this team is far more built um, to throw the ball and and less built to be a mutter like Cleveland is. I think they were better built to handle. It. They did handle it better. Whatever was going on with the combination of rain and Burroughs, calf and and new DC wrinkles from the Browns, I guess, obviously is 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 an uphill battle. That's that. Those are the so challenges. The, so this team is Super Bowl contenders as long as we get good weather in the fall and winter. Is that That's what we're it. doing? It's strictly Super Bowl contenders unless it rains. Uh, it must be. They won a playoff game in the snow last year, right? Snow is different than rain. They're very clear to talk about that. It's very different. You can do whatever in the snow, throwing the ball, rain, and the grip. Maybe we should have a hand size discussion, Mom. Oh no! Oh no! Look, it rained. Okay, they weren't playing in the eye of a hurricane. All right. Uh, it looked like it. They were. Yeah. So I mean, apparently, I was at the game. Right. Nobody went and hid for cover. Nobody was wearing ponchos. <laughs> Go, I go saw some ponchos. Game. Oh, not many where I was sitting, man. I look. it's because you're out there with the reels. Okay, right. there was I'm... some sweet people. There was like some like club people in front of me. Yeah, well, not not me. Uh, <laughs> so I, there were air, I was like looking down on the airplanes at that airport next door. Oh my the, god! Uh, but the was the stadium empty? Like all you gotta do? You wanna know how hard it rained? Look at the stands. <laughs> Fans weren't leaving. There weren't a lot of pot. Nobody's breaking out rain gear. But yes, it rained. 
Uh, I, I, it wasn't the monsoon Tom Brady had to play in here. The rain wasn't really coming sideways. It wasn't windy. I, I remarked to the people that I was with, was with multiple times. Look at the flags on top of the goalposts. Okay, it's it's rainy. It's not swirling rain. Not coming from all these different directions. You're an NFL team that's won 27 regular season and postseason games, and now you can't function because it's raining. What are we doing? I mean, it, it rained. Wasn't a downpour. Wasn't a monsoon. It wasn't torrential. It wasn't, uh, you know, the, the after effects of a hurricane. It rained. Now this team can't win in the rain. What do we do? We got all these new offensive linemen. They're paying all these the, all this money to. These guys can't block in the rain. Brad Apparently. Robbins can't can't nail a, a ball inside the five yard line because it rained. Joe Burrow can't complete a pass to a guy that he's played with every game of his NFL career because it it rained. Yes. You know, look, <laughs> I, I get it. Some teams are better built for bad weather. But if we're going to do this week one, I shudder to think how scared we're going to be of like good teams in December and January. If we look at the forecast and it's not 69 degrees and sunny. Should you, should you, uh, so, so here's, a, I don't have a shed at my house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I've contemplated a lot of different things that I can do to try to like, have a like a mock-up shed without buying one and like maybe i could like just rig some tarp up on top of like my fence corner with like some poles and just keep some stuff underneath there maybe that's where we're at with paycor stadium at this point look (laughs) maybe it's time to just like put a giant tarp over top of paycor just for now or or if it's gonna rain and just just stretch it out whenever it's gonna be a rain game to kind of just keep and then you can you can even pull it back whenever the Bengals aren't on offense, but uh, just to try to avoid this rain issue from, from happening, at least when they're at home. I've lobbied for, for the, uh, for the Bengals to build a dome, for, by the way, for the Bengals to build a dome for, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I, I want to go to games in January in my shorts, by the way, that game on Sunday, I was in my shorts at no point that I, I hate bad weather at no point that I say, boy, this sucks. No, what they lose in Kansas city. Cause it was cold. Are we going to do that. Like, I mean, come on. I, this, I've seen and heard this, oh, it's raining, but it rained for the Browns. Is, is that the only time they're going to play football in the rain this year? So yeah, let's, in fact, I'll, I'll contribute to this. I have some tarps because I had roofing issues two years ago. I've got them left over. I'll bring them down to pay yeah. core and, uh, and, and we'll, 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 I'll erect a tarp for them. It rained. If every fan brings one give tarp me a break. If every if every fan brings one tarp, I you could maybe like you can change the course of a season. All sure. right. Yeah. Everybody brings them, pull them together. I, do don't, your part. I don't know if tarps are allowed. I haven't looked at the because you got to have it in a clear bag. No, you give it. No, no, you give it. You give it to somebody outside the stadium. They take them all. Oh, there's there's one old lady who's like sewing them all together. OK. And then they get stretched over. Over time, or it's like <laughs> Bengals do a great job with this. They have canned food drives, they have toy drives. Let's have a tarp drive, okay? So this team can figure out a way to, to win games in the rain. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> it's like it's like Happy Gilmore. There's like just the grandmas, <laughs> right? That are in the back. Uh, you know, it's I think that's what it that's 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 exactly the situation that we're talking about. That's that's the only way to, to avoid having to play in the rain again. I so so you're saying you don't think if I'm hearing you, Mo. Uh-huh. You don't think the rain's a valid excuse? It's a factor. It's not an excuse. There you go. But is is weather a factor in games like that? Of course it is. But it's <laughs> it's professional football. It is. 
like, they're, they're not built to play in the bad weather. Oh boy. I got news for you. They, they haven't changed our latitude here in Cincinnati, right? We're, we're still in the <laughs> Northern part of the U S the crap weather's coming. I mean, have we looked at the forecast here? Let me look at the forecast Better for look Sunday. right now. I'm going to look at be look at one of these weather apps. What does it say for Sunday? I, I hope it's 72 degrees and sunny. Let's see Sunday. Oh, Sunday looks great. 80 and sunny. Oh, we're good. Oh, they'll oh, kill yeah. the Ravens. They'll kill the Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, was it a factor? Undeniable. Uh, un- undeniably. But, you know, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> uh, uh, an established team. And that's what this team is. An established team with an established core of guys. An established quarterback. An established coaching staff. A good coaching staff. Figure it out, man. Yeah. F- figure. And, and I, I get it. It was no pun intended, the perfect storm of rain, quarterback missing most of camp, opponent that's a tough matchup. Uh, the, the Browns defensively, boy, that, that they're going to be a problem for more than just the Bengals. Uh, a, a lot of different things, but established teams figure it out. And, and again, I, I keep using the word functional. I, I certainly didn't expect them to look crisp. I expected them to be functional enough to have me in my seat in the fourth quarter instead of riding a train back to the station where my car was so I could get to Cincinnati as quickly as possible. Uh, That was non-competitive offensively. And I really had thought the days of the Bengals being non-competitive offensively were behind us because I think so highly of the personnel and of the coaching staff. And so what I saw on Sunday specifically was thoroughly disappointing. And it does beg questions about, okay, beyond hoping that Joe can actually get through training camp healthy, should there be a little bit more of a premium on putting a better team on the field week one? And we'll see what that looks like next year. And uh, perhaps, perhaps it will look different. Perhaps you'll get, get to see farmer's... Joe Burrow play some preseason football next year. I'll go get a farmer's almanac. And uh, <laughs> because those things predict the weather like three years in advance, right? I'll yeah. go get a farmer's almanac. We don't yep. know if the Bengals are going to open up at home, but I'll, I'll get a general idea of what the weather is going to be week one of the NFL season next year. And we'll hope that the Bengals can play in certain geographic regions that, that don't aren't forecasted for rain. I look forward to the farmer's almanac. Thank you, Mo. I'll see you this afternoon at Moreline. See you guys. See you. Uh, Mo Egger, ESPN 1530. And his farmer's almanac. Uh, good to have good perspective there, Dave. That's one of the finest rain rants I think I've ever heard, <laughs> and I think he's almost as passionate about that as discovering alien bits. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, no, there's no. What if it? What if it rained on alien bits? I, I don't he know needs to Mo- be there. I mean, I that's that, I don't know that Mo could handle it. I no, think it would just... overwhelm him. He, and that's <laughs> why we give him the load management. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no question. It all ties together. It does. Um, I, and, and, you know, in a, uh, in a bigger picture, I am really interested to see what the league looks like with the preseason next year with so many teams looking so sloppy early and it costing teams games. Um, I am really curious to see how many, teams we see treating it a, a, a little more seriously. Although all I, you know, the Chiefs played the crap out of their starters and had the hardest camp in the history of yeah. the world and they didn't look great and lost to the Lions in week 1. 
Uh, I think there's different ways. You know, the Steelers are notorious for going hard, and they played Kenny Pickett in their offense a lot, and they looked yeah. like trash against the Niners. I just, I just think you don't know what you're going to get week one regardless it's just every team is yeah. new every situation is different it's always weird week one what i mean there are some i always love going at the end of the season back to week one at some of the wacky results that just don't make any sense yeah. in the big picture this is you see it every year um and you know there was the year where like pittsburgh beat buffalo and they and you know buffalo was awesome and pittsburgh was terrible by like a bunch in week one and there's just been crazy results when you look back at it. And I just, it happens. It's it, seasons are odd, particularly at the very beginning. Yeah. And I think it's easy for coaches right now and players to talk about after week one saying, well, we need to play more in the preseason. Will they remember this when we roll back around to preseason? And then you also have just strange contradictions like uh, the giants played, Daniel Jones for one series in the preseason. That's a team that looks like they did not get enough work together. Then they leave him in a 40 to nothing game Oof. against a tough pass rush and let him take hits. So we're, why why are you preserving his health by not having him play in the preseason, but you're going to leave him in a mop-up time to get crushed? So I, I don't know. I think I, I had sent a thing out to our staff just kind of seeing if different teams have, have – run into this and a lot of writers wrote back and said they did and you know nick sirianni said this is something he has to think about because the eagles were flat um they won but they were flat and uh, eric kendricks from the chargers was saying they didn't play the defensive guys and they looked terrible against miami and the chargers quite frankly aren't a great defense in the first place so uh, they all talk it now but you know even in the bengals case they could say it now burrow said it last year Will they play those guys, though, when when the preseason comes around, especially when you're giving them their bag and everybody's making lots of money? Mm, there you go. Nice segue, it. Dave. Mm -hmm. Very, very natural of you. That's what I did. Let's talk about bags and let's talk about Joe Burrows uh, and what it means for T. Higgins, uh, who has is going to be up next year to talk about a franchise tag. And if they're going to sign him, Jamar Chase will be extension eligible. But you have. Justin Jefferson notably didn't sign an extension. CeeDee Lamb didn't sign anything. None of the receivers that were eligible to sign extensions did before the season started, and it's going to be a fascinating position group. Let's talk about that and the contract structure and what it all means for Burrow and, and everybody else going forward so we can understand it better with someone who understands as good as anybody else from over the cap, from Pro Football Focus, uh, Brad Spielberger, he's he's one of the best at this. Um, and so let's uh, bring in my conversation with him about the Borough contract. All right, now let's uh, let's flip it. You know, fo enough football. No one wants to think about the game anymore. It's, it's uh, let's, let's get back to talking about contracts. It's like the offseason all over again. But, you know, this is a big one. We finally have all the numbers out uh, on on the Joe Burrow contract we spent forever discussing structure and what does it mean and t higgins and jamar chase we now have the foundation so with that i'm not going to try to talk intelligently about it let's go to people that understand this stuff and that means our guy brad spielberger from pro football focus all contracts 
uh, everything free agency, every, everything you need to know about roster construction, how this stuff works. He's all over it. Brad, what's up? How are we doing? Just, you know, like you said, getting over week one, I'm a bears fan. So it wasn't, wasn't too yeah. pretty for myself either. <laughs> yeah. You're like, let's, let's talk about off the field again. Right. Uh, yeah. well let's, let's do this. I want to, I want to start here with the basics. You know, we, the structure is out there. We can, we can dive into what it is specifically, but what stands out to you about this that makes it maybe different than some of the others we've seen from other quarterbacks uh, this past off season. And just real quick, you mentioned the structure is out there. You know, I, I contributed over the cap.com. The reason the structure is not there is we're waiting on some details uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But anyway, so uh, what really sticks out to me here uh, is the cash flows and the guarantees, right? So when Justin Herbert signed his extension and got $100 million in new money through the first new year, which means through 2025, how much cash is he making? And then you subtract the money he was already owed on his fourth year and his fifth year option. So that was $100 million which was 20 million above Lamar Jackson, who set a record at 80 million. Herbert comes in and gets 25% more. Burrow comes in and gets over 111 million, a staggering first year new money cash flow. You know, that jumps right off the page. The cash flows are strong throughout the rest of the deal. And then second, of course, we're talking the Cincinnati Bengals to have fully guaranteed money through 2025 and then have further, you know, injury guaranteed money that will trigger into full guarantees through, you know, almost the entirety of the deal, you know, we knew they were going to have to bend on precedence. But frankly, I thought there would be more of that rolling structure, more of kind of pushing decisions off. And, and it's really not. It, it is a typical structure, a strong, strong guarantee structure for any team, you know, not just Cincinnati Bengals. That's it, right? I mean, if that was kind of the debate was, are, are the Bengals going to be willing to go there? And it, it it was apparent that what's kind of been the case the whole time was this guy is a unique situation. He is a, a one-off generational player, so he's going to make them do one-off generational things. And that's the only way to really view this from in, in the big historical picture of this franchise is that there's just there is nothing even remotely in the same stratosphere as what they did here compared to the rest of the contracts that they do. Not in any way, shape, or form. I mean, look, obviously, we're talking Joe Burrow now. Eddie Dalton was a quality playoff caliber quarterback that got a $17 million guarantee in 2014. Less than a decade later, we got $219 million guaranteed. Like, it just shows <laughs> Joe Burrow's a different dude. He is a different guy uh, in his own class of player that does. That, that comes in, and, you know, the two other franchises you'll always get compared to are the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers when it comes to contract structures. Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers also forced them to change things because they were different dudes. Joe Burrow, obviously, comfortably in that class as well. Um, You know, the cap is technically real. People would claim that it's fake, right? But to the Bengals, it is because they're so beholden. They they do obey, obey by it. It does matter to them. They're not the Saints that treat it flexibly. Um, They don't like dead money. So the cap is a big deal. That's, you know, you've got, Eight more than what it would have been on the cap this year, it looks like. About the same as it would have been next year on the fifth-year option at 29. Uh, as far as I see it, again, I'm not the expert on it. Uh, after that, it seems to even it out. But there's this idea that, I mean, obviously the cap will continue to go up. We know that. But with TV and gambling money, 
it could go up substantially. What does that mean for the cap structure? Does that make it a little bit more um, palatable because you're still going to maybe be in a good percentage of the total cap range, even when it goes all the way up, specifically starting in that, I guess, 25 season? So this ties back to the thing I was started the top of the show with talking about why over the cap. We have all the details entered in, but we haven't pressed publish yet. And that is because um, if you saw in the contract, there are these option bonuses again, almost in every year of the contract yeah. There's a massive one for 55 million next year. And then they get a little bit smaller, but nevertheless, the reason why you see teams put these option bonuses and deals, Jalen Hurts did it this off season, Justin Herbert, et cetera. Um, you can prorate money. So we talk about signing bonuses and spreading out money over the cap. You can do that up to a maximum of five years from when that bonus is paid, right? So so Burrow's signing bonus in, that, that gets paid in 2023 can only go through five years. But obviously, his contract now extends seven total seasons. And there's option bonuses in all these years. We think it over the cap. There might be void years on the back end of this contract as well. Because then, let's say there's an option bonus in 2027. You can spread it out through not just 789, but 789, you know, 2030, 2031. You know, crazy to even say those numbers out loud. But but yeah, so that's why we have not published yet. We're trying to get confirmation on that. And yes, to the original point, yeah, they're trying to keep the cap hits low. Obviously, his number is pretty much right in line with his fifth-year option next year. And then, yeah, it, it'll jump up a little bit in the 40s, 50s range. But, but yes, we think the cap is going to spike with TV deal, gambling, getting back from kind of the, the pandemic, you know, dip in the cap. And I think Cincinnati wants to realize, you know, let's make sure we're healthy here. Next year, they haven't projected eighth in cap space. And in 2025, we haven't projected third. They're, they're healthy on the cap right now. And but they have a lot of work to do, <laughs> and yeah. so let's 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 kind of how does it's the big this is the big question, right? I mean, this we, everybody knew Burrow was going to get everything, and 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 that was not going to be it was going to be what does it look like the years? You know, I talked to you back in I think the middle of the, so when this happens. Tell me what matters, right? Anybody, what matters? Number one, years for the team, for the Bengals that year that matters. All the other numbers that you can talk about are all something. 2029 is the most important number on that contract, is it not? Great. Yep. Yeah. Because that means they got that's what their deal was. We'll we'll take everything, we'll give you everything else if you just give us seven years here. Him and Herbert uh both do that where you 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 spread it all the way out. Does that structure allow flexibility to build around him, or is it inevitably still just a lot of money? Uh when you start getting into thinking about guys like potentially T Higgins, maybe next year, Jamar chase, um, any others that they feel like they're going to need to continue to build around. Yeah, no, the answer is yes to both questions. Right. So you mentioned T Higgins, they have, and obviously, you know, more business can happen, but as of today, they could afford a franchise tag on their books next year, very easily, but the placeholder can be there. They can figure things out, work through it. As of right now, I would expect that to be the case. Um, but like you said, though, the other half is true. The cash is obviously a staggering, staggering number. I actually thought he was kind of going to just, you know, get a incremental raise over Justin Herbert, but he really did kind of push it forward to the 55 million per year range. Um, and, and so that does make you wonder, okay, like T's different, but, uh, you know, is DJ Reader coming back? Is Trudeau Wouzier coming back? Like you start with Tyler Boyd, like you start getting into those conversations and it's not a cap conversation. It's a, like, okay, are they going to try to spend to keep all of these guys? And that'll that'll be interesting. 
because there was more cash than maybe you thought early on in in his deal or th- that would make it more challenging for them to have another cash splash uh, of multiple guys next year yeah I, you know and, and also just now that it's official you have it on the books uh you know you know it's it's not going anywhere all these guarantees are there all of those things these massive lump sum payments with the option bonuses etc you know it's it's not funny money in any way shape or form uh it's it's these big big you know i'm sure they're gonna in, in the contract language they'll have maybe multiple payment dates to pay it out but you know the escrow conversation is real like i said it was more of true fully guaranteed dollars not you know, if if you have all injury guaranteed only and it vests at a later date, you don't have to put that money into escrow. Uh, but that, yeah, that's not the case here. There's really true, fully guaranteed money. So yeah, long answer short, getting a little bit more in the weeds now. But but yeah, I think it just complicates matters for some of those more you know good players. But are they you know elite players? Do you want to give them third contracts? That's where it gets interesting. Um, one question about when we talk about Higgins and and Jamar Chase is the receiver market not happening this year you know jefferson cd lamb t all not getting extension wasn't just the one here um considering what we saw last year with you know the market boomed for them a bunch of them were signed uh are you were you surprised by that and and how does that affect a guy like jamar next year to the potential of hey, could the Bengals do the same thing with Jamar that Minnesota just did with Justin Jefferson and maybe push him even another year out? Yeah, I expect it. It's interesting. I think because Justin Jefferson is just such a special talent and obviously is breaking records every week and every year, uh, people thought he was going to get this deal done. But you look historically, if you're a first-round pick and you're not a quarterback like Joe Burrow right now, you go after four years. I mean, look at Nick Bosa, obviously gets the five-year, $170 million. That's after his fourth season, going into the fifth-year option year. That is actually the standard. Um, you know, Minnesota probably tried to get a deal done. I actually don't think they tried all that hard. Uh, so I'm not shocked by it. What makes it interesting to me with T is also no Michael Pittman, you know, Gabe Davis, Darnell Mooney. And again, I, Pitt Higgins is kind of in a different category than those guys. But but the non-first-round picks that are all entering contract years, and as far as I understand it, you know, not really a lot of traction in any of those conversations. I think because of the very poor free agent market um, and, you know, obviously the boom last year at the receiver position, it's kind of the, the position's in a state of flux. It's kind of interesting. But, yeah, all those guys, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, et cetera, there are a lot of talented players looking for money next offseason. It's, it, you know, I don't know if it's good or bad to pass on money right now because it's going to be such a loaded group next year, but it's going to be fascinating with the Bengals front and center at the middle of it uh, with, you know, Higgins and Jamar uh, a part of that. And Tyler Boyd at part of that too, really as well. You throw all three receivers can be talking money next year and uh, they all deserve a lot. Uh, Brad, thanks for your time and all the work you guys do. Keep an eye on over the cap. Keep an eye on all the work that Brad's doing uh, with PFF. Fantastic stuff as always. Appreciate your time. You. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, good conversation there with Brad. You know, I I know some of this stuff. It's it's hard to not get into the weeds with some of it, and we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. The bottom line is, you know, the the conversation of Burrow's gonna take the Brady deal. He's gonna play for eight dollars and a ham sandwich and some you know aglamises and some graters. Like that's what he's gonna do. No, like no, Joe Burrow's gonna get the money that he deserves and he is and the Bengals gave it all to him I mean this was them breaking every precedent 
this was them doing things they've absolutely never done. This is them blowing the minds of a lot of people who understand this stuff really well in I mean, $146 million, three years and $146 million fully guaranteed to start this contract off is stuff that is uh, eyeball emojis, right? Everybody <laughs> uses the eyeball emojis on that one. I mean, this is there's just a lot of stuff in here that is fantastic for Joe Burrow. I mean, and and so, yes. All of that. He got all of he got all kinds of concessions. Okay. The Bengals gave him a lot in exchange for the year 2029. Okay. I mean, seven years is what the Bengals are saying. Of of yeah, it feels like a lot now, but and and they are banking on him continuing to be him, very much so. This is them. You can't believe in anybody more than that. Fully guaranteed, not even worried as much about injury and all of that stuff. All that money, a hundred million dollars in escrow, all of that stuff, um, for hey, seven years, right? The year twenty twenty nine, you're still our quarterback, and the cap will go way up, and the percentage will be, you know, you heard Brad say. I mean, the Bengals are projected to have top eight cap space the next two years, and you know that percentage will not seem like a monster when you consider where it's going to be. Uh, and the, the hope is by the year 2025 when the big numbers start hitting. And so it is built where they can still do stuff. He mentioned there's plenty of space to fit in a franchise tag if you want to do that next year. Uh, so that's the that's the good news. But it wasn't because Burrow came out here and and made some deal that was like, ah, here you go. I'll I'll take it easy on y'all because I'm here to win. That was not the case here. Both sides yeah. had things that they won. But um, this was not Joe Burrow taking hey home hometown homeboy discount. And really, I mean, there's more to it than that. That it's not even totally. I don't want to say it's not up to the player because they could take what they want to take. But you're going to have agents not happy if you take that hometown deal. You're going to have the players' associations not going to be happy if you take that hometown deal. Other quarterbacks, so, yeah, yeah, other quarterbacks. And and the the longer the deal. It's crazy to think of the money now, but you look at Mahomes. I think I saw the other day he's like tenth now in in average annual value. Um, and when he signed his deal, we our heads all exploded. So, and then when Watson signed his deal with all that guaranteed money, we said, "Oh, nobody will ever reach up to that." And now Herbert's gotten near that, and Lamar got near that, and Burroughs got near that. So it's constantly changing. You lock them down, and I guess from the Bengals' standpoint, it's going to look like a pretty good value in a few years when dudes are making way more than that they certainly hope so and so yeah as, as i mentioned i mean they'll they'll move forward with you know the big decision on t higgins uh franchise tag I, I would say you fully expect that to happen and then um will they just treat jamar chase the same way that justin jefferson was treated by minnesota does that kick on i mean brad talked about that sort of being the standard so maybe it is burrow this year Higgins next year or play on the tag, or maybe they do try to trade him uh, and chase the year after that. Maybe, maybe that is how it spreads out. I'm um, still a lot to go there, but with the borough template here and you know a little bit more what it is um, it's, it's a, a little, it'll be a little easier to figure out, but enough off season and contract talk. There's football. We'll get more into the game against the Ravens uh, later this week. Where Jeff Zriebeck will join us from Baltimore to give us, uh, the insight on what's going on with them, who they won, but they were sloppy and they have a ton of injuries to deal with. 
Lamar coming back uh, with trying to have a full healthy season on his new deal. Uh, all, a lot to dive into with the Ravens, and and we will do all of that. To wrap it up, uh, RB segment, uh, I've got one story. So on Monday, we come back, Dave, to the locker room, and Monday locker rooms can be weird. Uh, they're from they're in the afternoon from like two to three. The players come out of a meeting. Some will stick around. A lot will just leave. After a game, an opener like Sunday, it's you. There's a lot of people walking real fast through sure. the locker room who just don't have an interest in the giant media contingent who's standing in there waiting on them as the meeting lets out. Um, and so it kind of flushes through. And if you need to talk to somebody, you need to be kind of standing there waiting for them specifically. Nobody really was. And at one point, though, everybody kind of clears out and Brad Robbins draws a crowd. And so it really ended up like a big crowd around a rookie punter. I mean, there were boom mics. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you know, it didn't go well. <laughs> When like the Monday crowd, the one Monday locker room thing is, well, talk to the punter. Okay. <laughs> that's a sign that it was a rough go of it. Uh, and that that's kind of that's that kind of sums up uh the opening weekend for the Cincinnati Bengals. Monday yeah. was full of boom mics around the punter. The rookie punter, no the less. Rookie, yeah. You just you're not gonna see that too often. Yeah, things you don't want to see. There's no question. Uh so all right, that'll wrap us up. We will again be back on Thursday. Look forward to that. Keep an eye out. A subscription deal still going. Get in there while you can. $1 a month for a year. Plenty of stories up. Uh, now you can go check them out. I have my story up on the third and manual, kind of breaking down play-by-play some of those situations and why that showed both a sign of something some went wrong and also how there should be some perspective about what they will look like going forward. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.